Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Uh, I am very excited to be here. This is Action Movie Anatomy on Popcorn Talk, the online network devoted to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by my co-producer, co-host, co-prep, genius. Co-pilot. Co-pilot. You guys it's are my very goose. Co. We're very co. Andrew uh, Guy. Hi! I'm ready to go. Hi! <laughs> I, can't, I can't bring all that energy, so I'm just going to be excited to be here. And uh, we have someone very special here to help us accomplish an impossible mission. Oh yeah! Ooh, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, that was because really good. it's Mission Impossible Four. Dun, 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 dun. We have Steph Z. Steph Z is our good luck charm. Welcome, Steph. Hi guys, I'm back. I'm very happy to be back. Talking about some awesome action movies again. We're so yeah. excited to have you back. Thanks. Now, Steph saw a press screening of Mission Impossible Five. All she can do is acknowledge that she saw it. She has to be a blank slate. Yes, I saw it. I saw I think, it. I think you should see it. And, <laughs> uh, yep. And that's, that's, that's that. So yeah. we're going to talk Mission Impossible 4. We yes. will be doing Mission Impossible 5 next week. Yes. So this is a little series. Also, if you are interested, Andrew and I did a two-man episode reviewing Mission Impossible 3 fairly recently. Oh. Uh, which was an awesome episode, if I do say so myself. It was uh, incredible. I don't know what it was. I'll go watch it and be the judge of that. <laughs> and, uh, you can go check that out. And if you, uh, if you like Steph, uh, if you like Steph, you can go see the most viewed episode of this entire series on Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Which, uh, is rapidly approaching 400,000 views on YouTube so that's pretty exciting for us that's yes. very exciting for and us and Steph is a Steph's a pro she's, she's a champ our, like I said like he said she's our good luck charm well yeah. I'm here I should have wore green yeah exactly <laughs> so let's get into Damn Mission it. Impossible 4 or Mission Impossible Rogue Nation as it's so affectionate oh Rogue Nation Ghost new Protocol one. Ghost yeah. Protocol yeah. Ghost Protocol Cut. God, can we roll that again? Can we start over? Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol released in 2011, directed by Brad Bird. Let's uh, let's cue the trailer, yeah. and we'll get into our initial thoughts. This trailer was sweet. It's yeah. a good trailer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if Cruz is involved, it's a good trailer, so. It's a trailer of just Cruz just sitting there with his shirt off. <laughs> You'd be happy. Then we'd be like, yeah, dig it. An hour ago, a bomb blew up the crown. Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's uncredited. Yeah. But, like, he's so good. Wilkinson's I mean, just he's always so good. He's one of my all-time favorite actors. Yeah. I love him in uh, Batman Begins. Yeah. Favorite Wilkinson role? Michael Clayton. He's uh, so, so sweet, Michael Clayton. Yeah. Daddy baked for his life. Like a dog. Like a dog. Like a dog. Renner. Sweet that he just, like, cruises, like, Renner's successful. We'll just, like... Yeah, let's just pull bring him in. Put him yeah. in the franchise. He got he, he got fits. brought into the movie before they even had anything written about his character. Yeah, it was just like, oh, you Brad Bird and Tom Cruise want me? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, of course. Why? And then he was like, he was like, I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise, but he's a great actor, but he's an even nicer guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a really common theme. Like people, absolutely. He's like apparently the nicest guy that's ever lived. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, Steph and I were having a conversation before you got here about how like. And I'll, I'll say it from my point of view, so I don't put words in your mouth. But she said as well that, like, 
you used to kind of want to punch him in the face. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about him for a really long time. But the more I've watched his movies recently, and his old movies, and we've been doing this show, he's just the man. Right. He's like, he's just a total so, badass. He's so legit, dude. He's so legit. And you hear about him on so every legit. single set. It's like his charisma, and his personality, and his just, like, work ethic. I mean, him doing, and we'll get into this, him doing the stunts on the tower yeah. in Dubai... It made two other actors be like, okay, let's get rid of our stunt doubles for the fights then. Right. Because if he can do that, we can at least get through a fight. Because he's right. 48 years old. He's doing <laughs> yeah. it. When, yeah, during that, yeah. See, this is that moment where you're like, wait, is Jimmy is Renner a bad, bad guy? guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I never thought he was a bad guy. Really? When I watched the trailer, no. I was like, I didn't think he was, but then they oh, had that moment. Oh, that's so interesting. And you're like, oh my god, yeah. is he going to be the bad well, guy? Well, and when they made this, he was coming off of, his his big thing was he had just Town. come off of, no, that was right after this, I think. Because, wasn't it? Before this, before it came out, Towns 2010. Towns 2010. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Look at this. That was that long ago. Yeah. Wow. I thought that it was like Hurt Locker. He did that. He did that. Yeah. He jumps out of the building. There's gotta be a cushion. Just <laughs> so, in case. But yeah, either way, I mean, Hurt Locker and the town. He's he's kind of he's like a tough guy, badass yeah, a little yeah. bit. So you think he's maybe a little villainous in this movie? Uh huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, just which would have been awesome if he was because the villain no. in this movie is better villain. Sucks. Yes. Um, so that was the trailer for Mission Impossible Four. Great Ghost trailer. Protocol. Yeah, yeah, solid, very solid trailer. Um, there's this funny thing, we've talked about this before on the show, but like, you see it in cruise movies, I think, the most, where there's a delivery to a line that he gives in the trailer that's different than it is in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's like a super, super dramatized version of one of the lines. Um, and I just think it's like the, the it makes for the best trailers. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure whoever his editor, whoever like edits the trailers, is just like, all right, let's just get that line again because that's going to yeah. sell the trailer. Totally. You know, like totally. we talked about in Age of Tomorrow. Nation. and it, Yeah, exactly. In Rogue Nation for the trailer, it's like the first trailer, he's like, Benji, the syndicate is real. A Rogue Nation trained to do what we do. And then in the second trailer, it's like, Benji, the syndicate is real. A Rogue Nation trained to do it. And it's like, you're like, I have no idea what it's going to be like in the movie. When does he say that? the first one. Yeah. Because it doesn't give it away too much. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. My favorite, that Edge of Tomorrow trailer, which I reference constantly, uh, like my favorite part of the whole trailer that I've watched like a hundred times, he delivers completely differently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what we do here to start on our show, which is a show that reviews action movies that adhere to four basic rules. Mm-hmm. Those rules consist of, well, the half rules that they're made after 1981. That's not really a rule. That's just kind of where we start. But rule number one is the hero always plays by their own rules. Ethan Hunt definitely plays by his own rules. Oh, yes. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. We've sort of, there's an addendum to that. It's like, uh, you know, robots, aliens, dinosaurs. As long as they're pretty smart, they can be a good villain. Yeah, um, no, that's true. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. I think IMF qualifies as like somewhere in the middle there. What kind does it of stand for? Impossible Mission Force. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, rule number four, there's at least... I just want to hear him say it. Impossible Mission Force. Uh, rule number four, there's at least one explosion. somewhere? What? IMF? No, I a, should. He has a, totally he has should. A Tom, have you seen uh, Waterboy? Have you seen Waterboy? Yeah. <laughs> he has that Tom Cruise on his butt <laughs> instead of uh, Roy Orbison. That's not a little bit true. <laughs> Um, it's a lot true. It's a, yeah. It's so totally uh, those true. are the four rules that we use to do this show. So what we are going to do to start the show off is we are going to share our thesis statement. So each host is uh, designated to come up with something that is a strong statement and opinion. Something that's not like, I feel like this is pretty cool. It's more like, this is. And that's yeah. the, what we start with. And we are going to kind of reflect that throughout the show. We're going to start with our special guest, our good luck charm, Stephsy. I'm going to go ahead and just throw it down. And I'm going to say this is the best action movie series Ever. Ever. And is it punctuated by this movie's action? 
Mm, the series as a whole. Okay, right. fair. It's okay. every you're not disappointed. It's this this one. I mean, this one was maybe my least favorite of the four so far. But I feel like even within that, you're left wanting more. You know you're gonna get more. I feel like this franchise has legs, yeah. and you, you want more. You're not like, hmm, they kind of blew it. Right? Mm, is the next one gonna be as good? It's always good, even when it's the worst of four. It's still good. So funny to yeah. say it's the worst. It's the best reviewed. Well, aside well, from the but new I feel one. like we'll that's why there. I feel like it's getting more and more reviewed, and like later we'll talk about the box office stuff, is because more and more people are buying into this Franchise, series. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Franchise, yeah. yeah. they're hopping back on board with Cruise and all that. Yeah. yeah. It is certainly, like, when you compare it to the other action movie franchises. So what What are the other debatable ones? There's the Furious. Fair, yeah, Fast and the Furious. Yeah, there's a Furious franchise. I mean, the, the most similar has to be the James Bond franchise. Just or the Bourne franchise. Yeah, those would be, like, those would be the ones, right? Right. I don't think there's another that's had, like, four, five, six movies. I am dying to see number five, and I still haven't seen the newest Bourne movie. And I love Jeremy Renner. And see, I love, I the, love Bourne the Bourne movies, too, but I feel like they're different. I feel like this is a little bit more... Campy? Yeah, it's a more comedy up. to it. Um, yeah, it's maybe P- where the Bournes are a little bit more thriller action. Even though they're like, I think both PG thirteen franchises. This yes. one feels PG thirteen. The Bourne movies yeah. feel like they could be R. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's funny because I did recognize in these the language that they, but it's still just as powerful, and they don't have to drop the f bombs, and they yeah. don't have to do stuff like that. So it can be the PG thirteen, and it's not yeah. gory. It's just good, and and the adrenaline is at like a ten most right. of the time. That's why I love it. Yeah, yeah. What you got for your thesis? Uh, I put that you cannot make a great action movie without a great action movie villain. You can make a good movie. This movie's good. I love this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't love this movie. I really like this movie. But you cannot have a great action movie without a great action movie villain. I talked about that in Rambo 2. Also, the guys, the, the two villains in this movie, the two and a half, the girl, the older guy, and his like henchmen, yeah. I don't care about any of them. I don't think they're intimidating at all. The girl's kind of a badass, but like not really. Yeah, you know the guy is completely faceless. It doesn't even he's he could just be like a box that's floating around Barely on the screen, says that's like anything. spitting out right. lines. He, it's it's really hard for me to hop on board. That see that's why I think three is a better movie. Yeah, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman because PSH is one of the great action villains ever. Yeah. And and Do Gray Scott yeah. number two, I find that movie more enjoyable. Hunt, hunt, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chimera virus uh, because. <laughs> He's cool in it. He's he's like he's really evil in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can totally hop on board with that. So that's that's my thing. You can't make a great action movie without a great action movie villain, and that's why this movie is just good. But still, there's so much great action. Like, yeah, you're not scared or threatened per se by this villain, and you're not buying into mm-hmm. the villain. But the stuff they're doing in order to get to the villain is still adrenaline ten. I mean, I'll, I'll, like the action in this movie is fantastic, yeah. but I would agree with Andrew that uh, the stakes feel so low right. throughout the movie because Where's there's the soul. In yeah, this film, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, my my thesis statement is that no action movie franchise reflects its director more than this action movie franchise because every one of these five films and the fifth I haven't seen yet, but the four that I have seen is they're all directed by different directors, yeah. and right. every one of them feels so distinctly like its director. Um, hmm. And this one in particular, this is Brad Bird's directorial debut with a live-action film. He yeah. had won two Academy Awards for doing The Incredibles and Ratatouille. He was largely, and The Iron Giant was another one that was very famous of his, he was largely an animated guy. And, only an animated guy. Yeah. This feels, I mean, if you if you think about the way this movie feels, it feels like The Incredibles. It, like, it has yeah. a very, very sort of, like, Pixar obviously Except for is, there's higher stakes in The Incredibles. 
You yeah. watch that yeah. movie and you're you're like, oh man, what's gonna happen? In this movie, there's never a moment of like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? So yeah, I I think that this. It's interesting, and, and Cruz says it in an interview about this film, uh, that he was like, I didn't want to call it Mission Impossible 4, because yeah. I really want each of these movies to feel like a standalone adventure that you can watch on its own. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel like you're watching the fourth installment in the franchise. I mean, much like James Bond does. James right. Bond is never James Bond 16. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, for that reason, so you give Brad Bird... I mean, they encouraged Brad Bird. They were like, you know, we want you to add as much of your own personality and your own ideas. We want you to create things. Yeah, because um, the script wasn't even full form by the time that they signed right. Bird. Yeah. And Abrams was kind of like beating around the bush about it. And then he was like, okay, here's the truth, man. Honestly, we don't really have a script. Yeah. Like, we're kind of working on it. So right. you can put in as much as you want of your own yeah. stuff. And. Mm-hmm. You know what I noticed about this one, too? And I don't know if I just noticed it and it's not a big deal or if you guys noticed it, but a lot of um, one through three, it it would say, like, produced by. Yeah. And it said Tom Cruise and the other producers. Four was the first one that says a Tom Cruise production. because he's not doing it with Paula Wagner. And the reason is because... Um, and we will get to this. Just I'm gonna oh, actually, I'm actually gonna table that. Well, I'm gonna table that for just okay. a second because it actually it it's very very reflective of where this was in his career. Got it. Um, so and we'll get to star profiles in just a minute. But before we get to star profiles and kind of get into that, which is a very interesting point, um, we are gonna do our fist pump moment. So the fist pump moment, guys, is the first part of the show where if you want to jump in, I mean, obviously, if you ever have a thesis and you want to throw it at us, please feel free to do so. But the fist pump is kind of that moment where you're sitting and you're watching the movie and maybe it's it's nighttime, there's no one around you and you're at home by yourself and you just look around and you're like, is anybody watching this? Right. You're like, what? It could be anything. It could just be like a theme song. It could be like the hero kissing the girl. It could be an explosion. It could be anything. Um, we call it a fist pump moment. Uh, yeah. An F yeah moment, if you will. So uh, Fist yeah. Fist yeah. Is that... Is that what it means? Uh, no. Oh, that's no. that's new. Oh, You're token. Gonna... We can swear on the show. We're just not going to. <laughs> yeah. um, if you guys want to throw it at us, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, at Andrew Guy on Twitter. At I am Steph Z. Uh, so please tweet at us during this at any point in time. If you have an idea, just just stop watching, click pause, and go tweet, and then come back. Or you can leave it in the YouTube comments. But we are going to start. We'll start with mine today. I always kind of go the, the reverse order. Yeah, yeah. Um, my fist pump moment in this movie. Because the stakes are so low, emotionally, I don't have any fist bump moments. Like, no, yeah. there was there was no moment where I was just like, like in the third movie, there was like a bunch of them. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. It opens with a fist pump moment. Yeah, yeah. that movie. But, but because I didn't really have a lot of emotional ones, the action is like the, mostly the fist pumping in this movie. And the one that like, when I'm watching, you're just like, whoa, is when Cruz like, he like rolls out of the moving car in the sandstorm. The collision yeah. happens and, and the, the car, car flips over him and he's like shielding his head and it lands and smashes right in front of him. Yeah. It's just super badass. It's just like beautifully articulated. Just, I mean, the whole entire sequence and it has to be some kind of green screen. Um, you know, I yeah. was, I read the production notes. They don't reference how they do it. Yeah, it has to be. I but mean, Tom Cruise is insane, but I don't think he's, he's not going to like roll no, they're not gonna, under like, a risk flipping car. Him. Yeah. Um, I mean, they always well, risk they, killing but him because you know I mean. he jumps out of buildings but yeah that's pretty uncontrollable (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um so that's i think that's my fist pump moment there's just it's just one of those like there's so much like sort of like just primal energy to that collision yeah that it really you pay attention yeah absolutely uh me okay uh so mine is the prison escape in the beginning uh it's kind of the first like the gang's back we're all together again he's like open the door he's just like he's like oh we're waiting we're gonna wait i can wait and he's like "Ah." so it's like the gang's all back together pegs there being funny and cruz is being his regular charismatic do whatever the hell i want self he also gets some fighting in there you get some cool uh gadgets you get that thing that just like 
disintegrates the floor. Yeah, it's a cool gadget. Right. Um, that's one thing about this movie is the gadgets are sweet. Oh, yeah, the gadgets like in the movie throughout. are really like, sweet. I just want one. I just want one of that clicker thing to make the sound like go behind people, just to mess <laughs> yeah. with people. I would just bring that with me everywhere. I would mess with Burns constantly. Uh, yeah. uh, that's his roommate, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Um, but yeah, that's my fist pump moment. It's like here we are. We're back. We're back in Mission Impossible. You can tell. You can feel it by everything that's happening. And this is just the first like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I, I like it too. It's the, even just the just when he's looking at the camera and he's like, yeah. "Oh, we can wait." That he's yeah. just. He's, it's like yeah. cruise, the cruise yeah. intensity, the, cruise the, the aggressive sincerity, yeah. as we always call yeah, it. Yeah, totally it's the best. Uh, mine is. I feel like sometimes again, I feel with the ladies. Mine has to be when Paula Patton kicked her out of the window. Yeah, it's a good because, super awesome. And it was. There's so many times in movies like this where you have to, or the characters have to refrain from using the force they would want to for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. So they they never usually get that. Uh, revenge, so yeah. to speak, and she got it. She was right. an asset. I need her alive. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and but it was almost like she didn't do it per se on purpose. No, she but definitely hap- doesn't. Yeah, but then it happened, and you feel for her like cat. Yeah, like yeah. that's what was supposed to happen. You killed her man. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Don't kill you. Yeah, like that was the sweet revenge. So that made me. Yeah, and that whole like around in that hotel was. Just yeah, ridiculous. can we just make a checklist really quickly? It just came to mind when we talked about the gadgets. How many sweet gadgets are in this movie? I mean, there's at least there's seven. Okay, there's there's when there's, there's when Josh quicker. Holloway jumps off the building, yeah, and, and like throws the pouch that explodes, explodes into like a, into like a cushion. That's yeah. number one. Yeah. There's the disintegrating ground, which even is the really ring cool. that he wears, the, yeah. the class ring that yeah. like knocks turns it over immediately. And, and then yeah, the ring is really cool. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely feel the hallway the, thing, the magnetic the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The magnetic thing. The hallway thing is awesome. Yeah. That is insane. Like it's so absurd, but it's yeah. like genius. Yeah. But I love too how you. See, like how he puts his head. Benji puts his head yeah, in yeah, yeah. Like, You know what I mean? It's like he's still figuring it out. I love when the Russian guards run by it and they like move it, and the one guy like stops. He's like, like "What is? What yeah. is this?" You yeah. Know? And it was just so rad how you saw it and what it was trained to do was to go to your eyes yeah, and see so your like, perspective, so it would move to where you're looking. Yeah. And then when those multiple guards, it was tripping out like that is insane. Genius. And like the things that really exist in the world that we don't know about. I bet you that thing could be real. Well, and then we had we had we had the photographic <laughs> contact lens too. The, yeah. That yeah. like that like and then it's printing out inside the briefcase. Yeah, that's weird. And the glass yeah. gloves. The yeah. Gloves. Well, yeah. Yeah. One of them, so yeah. One of them. Yeah. One of them. The gecko gloves. Yeah. There's just a lot of there's really a lot really of really cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, the cell phones. Yeah. They what? have phones that can call people from anywhere now. Yeah. Well, what, what I like <laughs> such a dork. What was crazy to me, which I don't know, maybe I didn't understand it. So tell me, when they brought the plate of phones. Was it? Did it just pick your poison? I think it's like the dude has so many contacts with different lines and different business dealings. But even when they brought it to her, when she was trying to coerce him, he was like calling one of his own numbers for her to. Like, why not just give her the phone? Yeah, yeah. I don't. That was a weird one. Look, when I'm rich and I have an estate, I'm going to have a platter of phones. (laughs) All right, fine. As long as you pick up my calls, it's all good. Yeah, I, think that, I think that's most of the, the really cool ones, right? There was, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of sweet. I mean, like that's one of the things that the makes cars are crazy too. Yeah, oh, that concept BMW is so sweet. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, so that's the biggest similarity between the Bond movies and the mm-hmm. MI movies is is like that. It's like a special agent with a bunch, bunch of cool gadgets and like, and, you know, and an, an incredible infrastructure that just is like everywhere and can do anything. Yeah, I mean, that that's the other thing that's so hilarious about these characters, right? Like the moment when Cruz is like, what's he saying? He's like. Your chief analyst, huh? And he's like, yeah. And he like takes a pen and he's like, <laughs> he yeah, draws, this guy. This? He's like, 
my training allows me to draw the face of anybody I've seen in 3.2 seconds. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Well, but, yeah, that yeah, part you, was hilarious. Yeah. It's awesome, though. I mean, I, I, I totally buy in. I'm sure I Cruz totally trained. I'm sure Cruz trained himself to be able to actually do it. I'm sure he drew the real face. I'm gonna draw your face real quick. <laughs> Let's see what you got. Me and you both. Let's see who comes up with a better Ben uh, sketch. By the all end right, all right, all right. So next part of the show here, guys, is we we do star profiles. We kind of talk about where these guys were specifically in their career at the moment they made the movie, and it's usually here. <laughs> oh, very funny, guys. There's you not even a anything funny on your joke. Head. Uh, usually, it's a hero and a villain, but as right. Andrew alluded to, the villain is so irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, the actors that play the villains are so irrelevant that, and I mean, honestly, like, this is nothing personal. If I was to see one of you actors that do that or, like, meet you in real life or something, it's not like you guys did a bad job. It's just that they didn't really give you much. There's just not much to it. Yeah, like, it's, you didn't write the script. They didn't cast the person that just won the Academy Award for playing Truman Capote to play the villain this right. time. They just, right, they right. cast people that you're not supposed to recognize. So, we decided for the second star profile to go with Jeremy Renner because he was at a pretty relevant point in his career when they made this movie. Right. Um, the, the Easter egg special special shout out that I will give is Josh Holloway um, because he has they had wrapped Lost in 2010 and this came out in 2011 so he was clearly filming this in the final season of Lost. Uh, he was I would say the most popular character probably from that show in the yeah. end because Matthew Fox kind of fell off in terms of popularity people just got annoyed. So this was yeah. like sort of the this was like the big culmination of the fact that you're on one of the biggest shows of your generation. Now you get to be a pretty badass character in a you know Mission Impossible movie. And yeah. so, uh, but I mean, there's not much more to say about him. So let's get into Tom Cruise and let's talk about what Steph mentioned previously about uh, not working with Paula Patton and, and this was not a Cruise Wagner production. So what happened and we alluded to this in the, the episode we did about three, but I'll reiterate is that. Uh, Cruise went on a pretty insane run in the early 2000s, and he he he. Ripped off a few movies there with like War of the Worlds, Last Samurai, Collateral, uh, huge money make Minority Report, gigantic money makers that were extremely well reviewed that he does a great job in. So on the press tour in 05 for War of the Worlds, he started to openly discuss Scientology yes. at length. Um, and he got a lot of flack for it. And his brand over the course of the next 12 months took a pretty significant hit for a few reasons. The first of which was the Scientology stuff, the freak out on Oprah's couch about meeting Katie yeah. Holmes. What year was that in the couch? 05. Okay. Um, or early 06. But it was okay. before Mission Impossible 3 came out. So he had been producing movies with Paula Wagner since the first Mission Impossible. Um, they had been a team and every movie he had done from mid-90s into the mid-2000s was with Paula Wagner. Yep. So what happened was that Mission Impossible 3, even though should have been an extremely successful movie, was a flop relative to what they expected and the franchise expected. And it's so crazy. He yeah, split with Paula Wagner totally. as, a, as his production yeah. partner. Um, now, the next few years of Cruz's career were pretty rough. And that, that sort of starts to get into where he was. The previous three movies that he did to this were Night and Day with Cameron Diaz in 2010, mm-hmm. Valkyrie in 2008, and Tropic Thunder in 2008. The big change is 2008 because yeah. Yeah. from 06 to 08, those two years, Cruz had normally been releasing about like a movie a year, a very successful movie a year. I don't think he has anything come out in 07. Yeah, and everything that he did after War of the Worlds up until like this point was pretty unsuccessful. Yeah, because Lions yeah. for Lambs is like, I want to say 08, and that's a complete flop. Yeah. It was a weird movie too. It was like a political drama. That's like Thriller, political drama. Thriller, yeah, it, just, whatever. it, was, it had a message. It was not his kind of movie. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me though too about the whole you know, time in his life and how three, I mean, I have to say for Mission Impossible 3 that I feel that Tom Cruise looks the best in that movie than all of them. And that's the time where he was like supposedly like happy in love. Yeah, I mean, he. I mean, that's, that's, that's the best Mission Impossible movie, I yeah. think. I yeah, think so too. too. So the fact that 
that, that he looked the best, that as a viewer, as we, we think, he, you know, that's one yeah. of the best, the, you know, but it didn't turn out that way at the box office. I mean, it's not always correct. The right. Box, like, I'm sure, like, what else went up against it in the box office at the opening? You know what I mean? Like, there's always- It was a lot. Of, but you, you forget all the stuff that happened. The Matt Lauer interview. You remember that? Yeah. Your glib Matt? His brand was just like, nobody wanted anything to do with Tom no, he Cruise. He was crazy. Yeah. He was like, he was like almost Mel Gibson, Passion of the Christ era, like untouchable. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. quite that bad, but it was very close. Yeah. Because if you look at the next few years, right? Like, Lions for Lambs is a flop. Right. Tropic Thunder, he redeemed himself on some level. Like, people, mm. like, he's but it really. Was so not him. Yeah. Right. It's that not was like when people are like, traditional cruise movie. People were like, you don't take yourself that seriously. Valkyrie right. didn't do particularly well. Night no. and Day is not a good movie and didn't do well. Rock of Ages did not do particularly well. Oblivion right. was a flop. Jack Reacher was a flop. I mean, this movie, in a lot of ways, because those are after. Yeah, it's in the middle of all of that. Yeah, 2011, this comes out, and on the strength of the brand, this became his most successful movie worldwide. Right. right. Um, this movie did extremely well, but it didn't actually redeem his brand. I also think the massive success of Tropic Thunder, maybe in the fact that he didn't take himself yeah. so seriously did also help bring Helped. people on. Yeah. And help bring people back around. Yeah. Maybe not buy into it like, yet. Like, it's but mainly because it, of the brand, but yeah. just a little bit because of Tom Cruise, you know? I, I mean, quality is always the replacement for perception. If you look at, like, look at Alex Rodriguez right now. The guy's in discussion for, like, comeback player of the year, and, yeah. like, that was the most hated athlete in the world, like, two years ago. I mean, That's it's just, shit, yeah. all you got to do is just win or do well. So it's or like... have a good PR. Yeah, you make, you, you make, seriously. you know, you make a movie where you don't take yourself too seriously. It's pretty funny. Right. Great. You know, Mission Impossible 4, people really liked it. It was very successful. It made mm-hmm. a lot of money. So... Edge of Tomorrow, people didn't see it, but now the word of mouth of that movie is that that's a great movie. People loved it. Right. I have a feeling Mission Impossible 5 is going to way outperform the expectation, which is currently sitting at about $42 million for the opening weekend. I 100% agree. I think yeah, it's going to do I mean, a lot better than that. I think, it'll, I think it'll be the most successful of the series. Yeah. Hands down. So I think, too, just because, you know, and stuff we can talk about, like, the, the previews and the the, to- the amount of talk around yeah. him now doing his own stunts and that flight scene. I mean, you don't have to see the movie to see that scene. Yeah. You know, there's been, I mean, <laughs> last November I read an article about it and how he was doing it. And it's just like that's a lot more of that is coming out. And, yes, people are more receiving it because, the like, that hit to the brand happened years ago. So yeah. people kind of get over it. People are fickle, you know. Yeah. Well, he looks older, too. So he's... he's He's entering the next phase. I mean, if you look at, like, because as you said, 06, the difference between 06 to 11 and then 11 to 15 is drastic. I mean, he, yeah. he, he like, he looks like an aged action star. Like, it's a, it's a good look. He yeah. looks older, but, like, 06, he looks like he could still be 28. I mean, he's, like, yeah. 40. Um, you know, like, I, I think you see this happen all the time. Like, again, another sports analogy that I'd give you is Kobe Bryant. Right. People hated Kobe for years. People, he, he was not, like, he, he was changed respected. His number. Yeah, he was respected, but people hated Kobe. Yeah. The it last just five goes years. To show people are not loyal. Yeah. <laughs> right. The last five years, Kobe, his, I feel like his popularity has surged in right. the same way. In the same way, there's a respect level that Tom Cruise has now that I think five, six years ago, people kind of weren't willing to give he, him. It's true. I just feel like he's kind of was a joke for a while. Yeah. I mean, like, it, that's how people saw him. And yeah. it was like, you had movies like Top Gun and the beginning of the era of Tom Cruise where you were falling in love with him. And then you're kind of like, hmm. What is this guy doing? Yeah. And then you're like, wait, but he's still around and he's still super legit. I mean, from seven to twelve, he kind of did every role. Yeah, you got Lions for Lambs. He's kind of like a political intense. You got Night yeah. and Day. He's like, oh, he's funny and he's lovable and yeah. he's charming. And then you have Valkyrie. It's like, oh, he can be serious. And this yeah. is a World War Two movie. And you got Rock of Ages. It's like, oh, he can sing now. And like, yeah. he did it all. Right. Yeah, he you was know? like, I- he was like rebranding himself in every way possible. 
One of the things that I think is... Well, but was, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, one of my notes when we were watching this movie was that the, the Tom Cruise action brand is in a class of its own. Like, Yes. And I think it's reflected in the fact that, like, let's just pretend the analysts are correct and that Mission Impossible 5 doesn't perform. It mm-hmm. makes a lot of money, but it, it's way underperforms because it costs $150 million to make. We'll get to that budget. I don't think <clears throat> next week. it will dissuade him... Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> next week. Um, I don't think that it will dissuade him from continuing to make any movie he wants to make for the rest of his career. And the beauty of the Tom Cruise brand is if Skydance or whoever else is financing the movie doesn't want to, somebody else will. Because if you spend 150 and it makes, like, in Edge of Tomorrow's case, you know, I think Worldwide was, like, 300 and it costs 190 to make or something like that, that's still enough profit where Tom Cruise is like, all I want to do is make movies. I'm just going to keep making movies. Yeah. And I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'll finance some of myself. I'll produce. Now, do you think that that, you know... Tom Cruise action brand as opposed to all the different kinds of genres he did in between that stage was a specific thing to try and win back audiences in different areas? I think so. I think that's what I was trying to say but I didn't quite get there. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was going to add. Like I do, I feel like it was very strategic in, okay, maybe these people, you know, I got to win back across the board so I can slowly win back and then once I win these people back the bigger win will be then to get them come back to the action because I think I I feel, just my opinion, that his true love is action films. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's like, an adrenaline that's junkie. That's why he wants and... to do the stunts. That's why he, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like um, that that is really where it kind of starts. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, anyway, th- we should move on to Renner because we have quite a bit to cover today. Uh, so Renner... Renner is obviously the beneficiary of the Hurt Locker. That's that's where we all learned about him. He was he, he was in a few other things before that. I mean, he had a career. Yeah, he had a, he had a long career, but it was. But when you're in the Best Picture winning movie, um, you know, he got a lot of attention. Just savage in it. Yeah, he's awesome. Hurt Locker's he's great. He's so good. Yeah. So then he does the Town in 2010, the follow up to Gone Baby Gone by also, Ben Affleck. He's the best part of that movie. Yep, he's very right. very good. He's very good at being intense. And then obviously he gets the transition into Hawkeye with the Avengers yep. franchise. So okay. he shows up in Thor. He's in this, and now ever since he's been in. I mean. He's he's not in the stratosphere, but Jeremy Renner's carved out like a nice part of his career. You yeah, know, I mean, he's, he's an A-list actor that not everybody knows. You know? Yeah, he, which is kind of almost awesome because when you go and see him, there's no expectation, so mm-hmm. he always is really good, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, for some reason, he's not, you know, the Tom Cruise or the Brad Pitt, or we, he doesn't sit in that. Maybe, maybe yeah, he is. He's, maybe I mean, he's underrated, but he... I'm not disappointed whenever I see him in anything. The, the actual question is like, we all know how hard it is to make the transition into full fledged A list action star where you can carry your own movie, like to be a cruise. Like, it, they've given Renner a few opportunities now to kind of be that guy, and he's almost done it, but not quite. And you yeah. wonder, will he ever be able to make the jump where, like, that Bourne movie was not particularly well received? Nobody really ever talks about it. Like, yeah. would he, he ever be able to take over the Mission Impossible franchise? Like, is that a thing that you would Absolutely. buy into? You think yeah. so? Totally. So I don't want to see that, at least not for a while, because like we were talking about earlier, Tom Cruise has played older. He's played salt and pepper look, like he's played older and he can still carry it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like with these movies, that would only enhance, you know, the masks or the this or the that. Like there's ways that he can still, and he's still in such great shape. I feel like there's at least... There's got to be at least three more of it, just him. God, I hope so. I hope so too. I hope <laughs> See, more. I mean, the next ten years is that's a, that's a rough ten years. 
to it is you get into your 60s then yeah but you also wonder too now right yeah yeah, you also wonder like when will the transition happen where cruz becomes like a little bit different of an action star like he becomes a little more liam neeson taken i think i think maybe in if in mission impossible six or maybe in seven but in six i feel like you're gonna get a lot more you're gonna get like a, a 60 40 balance between him and renner because you got a little bit of it at the end of this one, where yeah. Renner kind of became like, oh, well, he was doing the thing. He did the thing. He did the drop-down yeah, yeah, yeah. iconic Tom Cruise thing. Right. You know? um, and he ended up, you know, in the mainframe or the dick, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever all that was. Uh, right, right, with the magnets? Yeah. Like, he is doing more. And I think in the next movie, I don't know about five, but maybe in six, he'll yeah. do even more. And yeah. then, like, you know, maybe in seven, it's like, it's like all right, I got to retire. You know what it is about him that I'm not 100% sold on? Renner? That t- yeah, Renner, that I'm not 100% sold on, and why... Tom Cruise has become more and more legit to me. It's the delivery of the lines. Yeah, the charisma and just like it's, the absolute like. It's just whatever whatever the lines are. The way that Tom Cruise del- it's always just like. Well, who's Ugh. got? It's because who has it? Nobody like we talk about. I get about it. it all, I'm agreeing. Movie with star your comedy. Love of Tom no, no, no. Cruise. But not just love. Like movie star comedy is something we always talk about on the show. A true action star, the greatest, the greatest action star is the one that will just just destroy it. Right. They're the guys that can deliver a line in all seriousness and just like Cruz climbing the building and just, just the look on his face and the way that he's saying, you're just laughing because it's like, he just has it, right? right? He's always had it. Renner's really great. I love him to death. He doesn't have it in the same way. It's almost he's like not, he's a little stiff still. He's like a great- like loosen up into it. It's like I mean, what he doesn't have doesn't make him not a good choice. It just means that it's a totally different kind of action star. I mean, I gotta Got watch it. five. I gotta yeah, see yeah. how he feels. Agreed. Because in four, that's the point. He is supposed to be a stiff character. He's, yeah. he's, he's chief the whole analyst. time yeah, he's yeah. like a chief analyst that isn't actually chief analyst that's, you know. Right. He's like in disguise, essentially. Not even that. He feels like a Jerk. He feels like he fa- he feels he's carrying around a burden. Yeah, like he's a he's a failure. Uh, yeah, and I failed this dude. Yeah, that that now saved me out of this car right. mm-hmm. and is vouching for me and keeping me around. I kind of messed up, and it's almost like a yeah, it's like a guilt that he's bringing around with him. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see. You'll see. So I do want to jump into production development, writing, <clears throat> directors, producers, and all that sort that sort of stuff, uh, so we can kind of figure out how the movie got made before we get into critical and box office. So this movie is directed by Brad Bird, as we said, mm-hmm. uh, Brad Bird of the Incredibles and Ratatouille fame. Uh, this was his directorial debut as a live action film. He went on to make Tomorrowland shortly after. We actually uh, referenced a story with Brad Bird regarding Jurassic World, yep. where in a weird course of events, he was in the running to get the job to do the uh, to, to do Star Wars Seven. He yeah. wanted that job when it came up, but he was finishing Tomorrowland. So he had called the producers and said, "Hey, I know this guy. He reminds me of me, Colin Trevorrow. Can he stand in on Star Wars Seven for me?" They were currently looking for a director for Jurassic World. They watched Trevorrow's movie. They're like, "Ah, just give Trevorrow a guy this uh, yeah, Jurassic, give him World, Jurassic and, World." And Brad, no, we no, you we, just stick with Tomorrow. We're gonna hire Abrams. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, th- I think that's kind of funny. And I think that honestly, all of it worked out the way it should have. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, though I didn't see Tomorrowland, did you? Uh, I didn't, but uh, I, I don't think that I would want him to direct Star Wars, and I wouldn't have wanted him to direct Jurassic World. If he directed Star Wars, I think it would have been cornier than it's going to be. Yeah, because this movie's corny. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So he was encouraged to put his brand into this movie, as he did, like I said, with yeah. uh, reflecting its director pretty yeah. clearly. Um, some of the things like Brandt's iCam or the exploding uh, payphone, those are his particular ideas that he wanted to implement into the movie because um, they didn't have a fully working script. So, yeah, they, they took, uh, what was it, October 2010 to March 2011 to make this movie. I think it was directly following or to like preceding Oblivion, right? I think it was maybe right before Oblivion. Uh, Is yeah. that right? Yes. Uh, and then right from Oblivion, he goes into Edge of Tomorrow. So 
Um, this is like Abrams had his stamp on this movie, even though he directed and produced three, um, and three was his first movie. He got caught up finishing Super Eight because yeah. he was in talks right. to originally direct this, and he brought on a lot of his guys. So the writers, Josh Applebaum, Andre Nemec, these are guys that he knew from working on Alias, various other shows. Yeah, um, they're very much they're very much TV writers. They're strong writers. I mean, uh, yeah, they're very strong TV writers and producers. And- yeah, yeah. His Brian Burke is his producing partner. Is one of the main producers on this movie. So Abrams is very much uh, a big Abrams part. Abrams knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows how to pick his but team. But you can really feel. That he was not completely in this. Film, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I, I saw it in so many reviews, uh, like uh, the critics had written, and I felt it the whole time watching the movie. And we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. This movie feels too cartoonish. There aren't the stakes aren't high enough. Yeah, and that feels like it, it doesn't feel like it has a soul. You Ooh. know what I mean? Like it, it's I agree. very enjoyable, yeah. but the characters are stiff and they're hollow. The dialogue is not that great, and there's like I said, there's never a moment. Like number three opens with a more intense moment than you'll find in this entire two hours and fifteen minutes. Well, there's two moments in in the third movie that there's we two, talked. Yeah, yeah but there's, I'm there's, talking about the first like five minutes. Yeah, it's the, I mean that's the best part of the whole movie, right? Yeah. And and we, as we've said, Cruz's acting is obviously paramount, but he's elevated his game is elevated so much by the quality of Philip Seymour Hoffman, how evil he is. That yeah. scene is so great. And then the scene when, uh, spoiler alert, when, uh, uh, what? Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, she's got the bomb in her brain and it explodes and her eye goes sideways. That's yeah. like some pretty disturbing Gnarly. stuff. Yeah. That's like very, very hardcore. Yeah, I mean, there then, are some cheesy scenes, but. He gets one shoved up his nose, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He dies. Tom Cruise dies in number three. Yeah. And gets brought back to life. There is not one moment in this whole film where you're really concerned, where you're really concerned yeah. about anything. It's all kind of like, I'm along for the ride. This is fun. Yeah, I would complete. I would completely agree. Although, is it this movie is the only? It's it's. This is the only one where like the mission really gets failed. Too. Well, and that's and that's that was like the whole that was the point behind it is they were like we really wanted to focus on this whole series has been about well the, the whole series has been about all these gadgets and this this team the impossible mission force the impossible mission force that can accomplish anything right. what happens when the gadgets malfunction when right. nothing works out when you lose your support you lose your intel you don't have an uplink and you're relying on you know crews having to really guide a team a dysfunctional team um, your movie's was, not as good as the others in the franchise supposed yeah, exactly to be right. yeah. like this is what happens <laughs> it is so funny that we all feel that way um, but it's funny too because this one I feel like too like when we you know I don't want to jump ahead to the ultimate action scene but I feel like this one had so many good action yeah. scenes because it was like some of that other substance maybe wasn't there so it was just like okay let's just you know, blow some more and you're up. saying uh, you can't say anything about 5 okay um, I'm, I'm making it as I haven't seen it at that's all fine. Yeah, that's fine I'm not 5 is not in any of these comparisons I do want to move on to critical here but the let's last person it. I'm going to reference uh, I do want to say that Nemec and Applebaum the writers they are they revived the uh, Ninja Turtles franchise yeah they, wrote, they did this was, this, Ghost Protocol was the first feature film they'd written they had written yeah and it was because he, they worked with, with Abrams. And so yeah. they wrote the second term, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's going to be coming out. And then lastly, the producer we didn't reference, there's about nine or ten producers a on lot. this. A lot yeah. of regional producers in China and all, all over the place. But This kid... David Ellison. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And now I looked and I immediately got like, I immediately got self-conscious. I was like, he's how old? Yeah. And he's no, doing he's, what? Exactly. But it's because he, his dad is an oil billionaire. So he, yeah. uh, he, he runs and is the founder of Skydance, uh, yeah. which is the company that financed a lot of this movie. He's an executive producer on this. He is a deal maker. He gets a lot of movies done. Yeah. He's worked on a ton of big movies. He I mean, so he must be good at his job. Yeah, but, absolutely. But IMDb, his name, and you'll be like, 
33 years old. This kid? True Grit, World War Z, Terminator Genesis, the next two Terminators. I mean, yeah, successful kid. It's kind of funny. Did you have you guys seen Entourage? Yeah. It's kind of like how the kid in there is like the the punk kid, but his dad has the money. Right, exactly. To be a part of stuff. Not that this kid's the punk kid, but still. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna involve yourself in the most successful movies, like then you're not a punk kid. You've got to figure. And I mean, a lot of people come from a lot of money, and the fact that this is what this kid wanted to do is kind of. Yeah, awesome yeah. For yeah us. totally. I mean, I'm Good happy him. for him. I'm also Good jealous him. of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that Skydance was uh, run by a 33 year old kid. I mean, I'd seen that logo and left and right. He's been around for yeah. a while. Yeah, like so five, ten, like five, eight years. Yeah, like, like nine, yeah. ten, something like that. So uh, anyway, Paramount, 145 million dollar budget on this movie, released December 16th, 2011, um, ended up being the most successful movie in the Mission Impossible franchise. Wow. By a quite a large margin worldwide, 694.7 yeah. million dollars total. Ooh. Domestic only two oh nine though, yeah, um, which is interesting. But it, it makes I mean you find that a lot in these movies with these type of people, um, is that they a great example is Will Smith and right. Denzel Washington. Yeah. So yeah. Tom Cruise, there's something about Tom Cruise to where everyone around the world loves Tom Cruise. They yeah. absolutely love him, and the same thing with Will Smith. They, they love him. They don't hear. They don't hear all the. BS that our media right, puts it doesn't out. Matter so just, over there. Right, that's what I'm care. saying. So yeah. it's like they just know him for being Tom Cruise in all his movies, and I feel like they judge him more on what he's done than what people are talking about he's doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's there's these movies. They don't. He. They don't. I don't know. It's it's super super fascinating that box office success uh, is this shifting paradigm derived from the previous success of Western culture that you're now seeing like. Every one of those actors you mentioned had immense success in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. And now, like, it, with this movie, like, they, I don't think that they are really counting on it making that much money domestically, but they know that worldwide it's going to make so much right. money because they don't... It's, it's like, like taken. It's, yeah, it's the same with, like, yeah. Stefan Marbury playing basketball in China. Yeah, you can pay Stefan Marbury all this money because every single person in China wants to see Stefan Marbury play so he'll make all this money even though he's not good enough he's to start on an the, NBA yeah, team anymore. Exactly. Well, but I feel like too with people like Tom Cruise and Will Smith it's that, you know, my generation, well, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys but like my, like Tom Cruise was the guy that, you know, you were like, oh, He's like the, the number one guy. He's, he's like the, the cute guy. guy. He's the crush, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like people my age now are old enough to have children and bring... Now they want to bring their kids to something that they thought was cool. Right. Back. Like right. there's a double generation thing happening with Tom Cruise right now. True. And I feel like... And even... the the generation before mine, like the baby boomers and like my yeah. mom's generation, they all know him too. So he's got like yeah. three generations working for him right now. I mean, my mom is... Some of those actors in that age yeah. group. Yeah, my mom's 67 and she loves Tom Cruise. Yeah. Right. And kids nowadays, like you talk to a 15 year old, you know they're going to want to see Mission Impossible. Right. Yeah, like sweet. his demo ha- is yeah, like this. Massive. I remember, like, I remember Collateral coming out and seeing it in theaters and, and being excited and telling my friends that I was going to see it and like them all just being like, well, how'd you go see yeah, that movie? Because it was that, it was that weird, awkward time yeah. where like, his brand yeah. was as big as it ever had been in the U.S., but people were just beginning to tune out, and then the 05 yeah. thing happened. Dark and ages. Ten years later, it's like it's swinging back around. But it's like, more than anything, it's like swinging back around not in the way that you'd expect. He's never going to be able to regain that perch as, like, the guy you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. He's never going to be Jerry Maguire Tom Cruise again. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah. He's in a different part well, of his the, career. And there's, I mean... I don't know. I mean, isn't he like going at like leaving Scientology? Maybe he'll get it back. Maybe. Maybe. I can't wait to see Mana. 
Yeah, I'm really I, excited. I really want to see what happens when you get like an older Tom Cruise in a dramatic, intense role with a great director. Have you heard about this? No. Doug Lyman's movie, he's filming it, or he's maybe just finished filming it. He's like a CIA helicopter pilot in the 80s who's a drug smuggler. Um, Tom Cruise plays that? Yeah. yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Out, like, he next can year. play old, though. He yeah, can exactly. play that. Exactly. Yeah. But it's going to be more Pumped. of a, a, I think, a drama action thriller than yeah. it is a, just a straight-up action movie. Yeah. But yeah. he can still do both. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from it, but I mean, I like Lyman, I like Cruz, so. Which is a little bit more why I put this kind of differently than the Bourne movies. I feel like the Bourne movies are are a little bit more like that than this is closer to, like, the Fast and Furious Yeah, like, they they, they categorize this movie as an action thriller. This is not a thriller. No. The Bourne movies are much more thrillers. This is just an action-adventure movie. Yes, adventure. Let's move. So, well, I do want to talk just really quickly. So, this is the same thing I noticed, actually, when I looked at the box office. You can throw it up on the screen here uh, to see what what, uh, the opening weekend of Mission Impossible 1 was back in the mid-90s. Um, this is the all-time worldwide of Mission Impossible here, which is also relevant. We could talk about that a little bit as well, but these they both opened, like, partially in, in sneak peek screenings the prior week. Mm-hmm. So this one opened in a 425 theaters the previous week and grossed $13 million to set the record for the highest-grossing opening weekend in less than 600 theaters. Yeah, which is huge. But then it had an actual opening weekend, you know, less the 13. So yeah. It's the same thing that happened with the first Mission Impossible right. movie where it made 18000 or, or something like that. Like, it made, like, no money with, like, 300 theaters mm-hmm. the first weekend. And then it obviously opened, like, $70 million the next weekend. Mission Impossible 3. Yeah, it's What's crazy to me that it's almost $300 million less worldwide. Yeah, no yeah. one wanted to see it. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, all you people out there, go see it. Yeah. It's interesting to me that domestically, 1 and 2 were more successful if you adjust yeah, inflation. Like, yep. really? One and two are going to both be more successful than three and four domestically. It's those it's, years, it's exactly. That's what I we're know. talking about, right? Yeah. It's, just, it's so crazy. It matters. It's so crazy that this movie that made almost a billion dollars did it all overseas. Yeah, definitely pretty bananas. Uh, yeah. No doubt about it. I can't it, wait so. to see the. I mean, hopefully by next week when we do the show on five, it will be enough time to where the critical. Uh, we'll balance out to where it's not just 100% because three people have reviewed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll be able to see good numbers. Drew and yeah. I are going to be going to see it together this weekend. We so will. We can't wait to tell you guys. At the, at the new theaters, they going? have those... Uh, Sunday night, I think. The two seats that are separate. Yeah. It's like they're all by twos. And they have electro- electronic reclining seats. Yep. Oh, you're going in the driving, the dining. I don't know what Drew's talking about. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, let's kind of get into critical here. We can talk yeah. a right. little bit about how this movie was reviewed. Um, Drew, you compiled the section. You want to leave this one a little bit? Yeah. So this movie um, is the highest reviewed in the series right. by far. So it's got a 92% by top critics and a 76% by the audience, which is... I immediately went back and I looked at number threes because I was like, I bet the audience liked number three more. Yeah. They didn't. Not, not, there was like a 10% difference. They were still pissed. They were still pissed and like, I, I can't quite grasp why everyone loved this movie as much as they did. Yeah, one of our I friends, can, Alex, is always like, Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol, that movie is so sweet. God, like, I get it. The movie, movie is sweet. It's a good movie. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, is it 92% worthy? Is it better than number three? Well, how fascinating is it that like so many of the movies we do on the show get like, 80 or 90% by the audience, like right. 40% by critics. Exactly. And this is, and those are movies we love. Man on Fire had like 40% critics. Come on. And it has yeah. like 87. And it's like 87% audience. We yeah. did a review on that episode actually, guys, which was a very fun episode. Uh, go oh. check that out. It's on, it's on the channel as well. But when you, with action movies, when you get 
the audience having a lower score than the critics in an action movie. Now, in dramas, it happens a lot, and, and that's fine because a lot of people can't stomach like super intense dramas. But when you have that in an action film where the audience liked it less than the top critics, I always feel that I side with the audience in the sense that I feel like it's the worst movie than they when the audience for. liked it more. When the audience, li- yeah, when the audience likes it more than critics, I'm usually on board with that movie. Yeah, so I had, yeah. This- and that's what sells. Yeah, the critics don't have to pay to go see the Absolutely. film. Absolutely, yeah. so it's people that want to go see it. Like I- John Wick, I bet has like a 30 percent by critics oh. and like a 70 percent by actually, audience. Actually, John like Wick, I think, has a very high critic. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna look that sure. up while we're talking. So here. that's yeah. that. That actually brings it up. Because John Wick inter- was amazing. Interesting so point that I want to bring up, and, and that's and this almost was my thesis. So I, I think that the critics have this tenuous relationship. I think the whole audience has this tenuous relationship with the Mission Impossible franchise. And really, on some level, action movies as a whole. When I tell people that we do an action movie talk show, and they see a trailer for Hitman Agent 47, are you guys going to do Hitman Agent 47? No, we're not going to do Hitman Agent 47. Holy crap. 85 and 80. Yeah, right. I knew it, it was Sorry pretty, pretty high for John Wick. And the reason we wouldn't do a movie like Hitman Agent 47 is because we have no expectation for that movie to be a quality movie. Mm-hmm. Not a quality action movie, but a quality movie. Now, we try to do movies on this show that we think are quality movies in the context of being action movies. Right. Right. It's not like I just want to see all the action and explosions, and right, if, there's right. no, if there's no depth, we're going to do it on the show. We probably won't. There has to be something that stands out to do it on the show. You have to has right. to be a good movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like critics went into this movie saying, "I want a popcorn action movie. Right. You give me enough popcorn action where I don't have to think. I'm going to give it a good review." Where we're like, "No, Mission Impossible Three has great drama, great stakes, yeah. great acting." They're great like, script, "I don't want everything. that yeah. from Mission Impossible movie. I want Mission Impossible Four, and which they got in this exactly." So I feel like that's why this movie was reviewed as well as it was. Whereas right. I think Three should have been reviewed way higher, absolutely, way higher. And, and I think that's a very valid point: is yeah. that people want what they want. And, and when we were watching this movie, we we're like. I get it. I can see why people feel this way. I can see why the critics feel this way. You want to sit back and eat your popcorn and like not have moments where you spill your popcorn. It's like nine dollars yeah. a bag. You know what I mean? And like, that, and, and in a, like in number three, there was moments of like, oh my god, like what's happening? Like this is intense. And whereas in this movie, it's like ah, I'm just enjoying myself. This is just, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to realize that you know we 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 sometimes we, we pigeonhole pigeonhole ourselves just a little bit with this genre because I think we expect more out of it and treat it more intellectually and I think it's difficult for critics and audience sometimes to, to realize that you know action is not just doesn't just degrade the quality by 40% because no. you use the word a great action movie like Terminator 2 is a great movie and a great action movie with great actors right, right, right. so I, I do think this review I, from Elizabeth oh go ahead I was just gonna say I feel like though a lot of times there are movies in this genre than not that swing and miss that there are just oh, yeah. movies that bl- that's maybe why it's pigeonholed or stereotyped in that corner. A lot of drama swing in this too, though. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad yeah, movies in every expe- genre. You expect a certain something from. I think the sure. expectation when you go into a drama, it could be this is going to be a tearjerker, is this going to be suspense, is this going to be a love story? Like, what's it going to be with action? It's like. You know, the the people that love it and the adrenaline junkies want something. And right. They don't, like it's a little bit easier to swing and miss. At yeah. my opinion, I I understand what you're saying there. Yeah. It's fair. Um, I do think this review from Elizabeth Weitzman from the New York Daily News is pretty interesting. She says, yeah. as an action thriller, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is immaculately structured. It's built from massive explosions and high-risk car chases and mind-blowing stunts and awesome gadgets. The only thing that's missing, in fact, is a soul. Yeah. On yeah. the other hand, there's a good chance you'll get so caught up in what they're doing, you won't even notice how stiff and inhuman the actors appear. 
That that that's exactly it. People got caught up, I yeah. think, in the popcorn. They totally. got completely because again goes back to that ultimate action scene. There is so many good action scenes in this and you're just like, Wait, what is happening now? Wait, what is he right. doing? Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like you're watching the whole thing, you're like, Oh wow, this, oh right. my god, oh my and then you get to the end, you're like, Wait, what but why? Yeah. Right, right. What happened because of what? Where where why? Like yeah. where's the substance, you know? And and I felt that a lot watching this movie is like, Oh, the Dubai thing is sick. The sandstorm is, is incredible. Right. Like yeah. but then at the end of the movie you're just like Oh, so they were trying to stop the Russians from firing a nuclear missile on yeah. San Francisco. Right. Cool. Yeah, you lost track of the the plot. Yeah. Yep. Kind of. So uh let's 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 talk a little bit about that scene, the Dubai skyscraper scene you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Um Oh, did you have something you wanted to add to it? Well, yeah, maybe because Three was kind of not a flop, but three didn't do as good. Maybe they did that on purpose. Wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, maybe they yeah. were just like, you know what? People can't say no to just blow right, them up, get them, just, adrenaline, yeah. adrenaline, adrenaline. Let's yeah. overdo that because I think four is more high, it, like has a higher percentage of action yeah. than the others as well. Well, Soren yeah, Anderson from the Seattle Times wrote that Ghost Protocol is like a James Bond movie reimagined as a Q Branch and Co. from you know James Bond. Yeah. Uh, where the gizmos and gadgets aren't deployed to support the story, they are the story. The plot is simply an excuse to show off all that whiz-bang technology. True. And I felt that throughout the entire Which film. is particularly hilarious, considering they're supposed to have no uplink and, and like, no gadgets. They're right. supposed to be on their still, own. Yeah, it's still just mind-blowing gadgets the whole time. Yeah. 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 Um, so the Dubai skyscraper, say what we will about Seoul, <clears throat> is one of the most... like. Now it's getting all the publicity in the world. And somebody, a review of five that I saw online mentioned something. It's like Tom Cruise is becoming the modern day Jackie Chan is what they said. Yeah. In the sense that he does his own stunts. No. You, oh, you, okay. you watch this scene. <laughs> he doesn't scene look anything like Jackie Chan. In the movie. <laughs> and, and movies are done so brilliantly now with like, with stunt doubles and CGI. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, you just take for granted what you're watching. Right. The fact that he's doing it for real. For real. For real. So they were scheduled, originally it was scheduled, a uh, stunt coordinator, Greg Smurz, had intended to build a set representing portions of the building for crews to climb. It was going to be in like a controlled environment, right? So they were going to do two days on the building, the tallest building in the world, by the way, in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they were going to shoot like another eight days on this controlled set. So Tom was going to, he was going to climb on the set and then they were going to digitally extend the edges of it. And Tom looks at the building and he's like, no, let's just do it for real. Just do it. And so instead of two days on the building, it became four <coughs> days on the building. And they cut off like 13 shots that were originally supposed to be in this controlled environment just got replaced. And yep. Cruz just spent more and more time just hanging outside this building. The tallest building in the world. He's strapped over the harness and a crane. And they, were, they like held his body close to the building using like, a, like pressurized cables yeah. coming out from like hollowed out windows throughout the building. Which they had to, like, like the window cleaning crew, they had to hire technicians to, like, carefully chip away yeah. parts of these windows to pull them off because of the pressure. Yeah. Like, it's just, everything that they did for this scene is insane. It's just so mind-blowing. Yeah. But, again, that makes it legit. It does. And, like, them shooting an IMAX. Like yeah. He, Brad Bird talks about it. It's like, right. you shoot an IMAX and you're up there with these cameras. Not only can you see the cars in the traffic yeah. thousands of feet below, but you can actually see... When he's touching the glass, it bend from the pressure yeah. of, of of the wind and the atmosphere, and then just like having a person touch them. And yeah. it's like that's, there's only like thirty minutes of this movie shot in actual IMAX. Yeah, but when you're watching this scene, you can really, really tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have we have a little behind the scenes thing. We'll queue up while we're talking here in the background just to show you all the various like. 
I mean, Cruz running out of the open window and yeah. jumping with a cable attached to his body and then running down the side of the building. That's real. He did a 20-foot free fall at 125 stories in the air or whatever. Him swinging off the side of the building Repeatedly. is real. Like, like, that, like that, that, that thing where he's like kind of hanging and, and dangling and he kicks his body and like sort of almost like pirouettes his body around the edge of the building. Yeah. It's all real. There's like a bunch of behind the scenes footage of, of just bystanders standing on local balconies yeah. Yeah, they're just that like, are just watching him. Tom Cruise. Yeah, and this. Like he just kicks, like you're flying right now. Yeah. It's since I... Cruise is like, he's up there on the on the edge of the building like talking to Bird on on his like little mic and he's like, he, people are waving at him. Cruise is just waving. <laughs> it's just unreal. He's, and it's so funny. Look at that. Holy. We're sitting Sorry, there. Sorry, I'm in awe. Yeah, right? I haven't insane. seen this piece. We're sitting there watching this movie, and that's real. Like, yeah. He's doing that, and he's running down the building. He's running down the side of a building. And and what's so great... Wait, that didn't look very harnessed. It's not super harnessed. I mean, he has one crane with one harness. That's it. I, yeah. mean, that's, I mean, that's all you need when you weigh like 160 pounds, but like still... You're Tom Cruise. What's more crazy, this or, or strapping yourself to the side of a plane at 3,000 feet? I say the plane. The plane would be more terrifying. Like, what if he gets sucked, sucked out, sucked, pulled off? I mean, I know you got a harness on, but... I feel like on, the plane, though, because he's closer to he's it... He's, like, strapped in. There's and, more yeah. strappage. I don't know. He's in the atmosphere. <laughs> he's in space. He's not in space, but he's... <laughs> he's not at 30,000 I'm joking. I mean, he's just he's just in the air. On, yeah. I mean, I, they're both so nuts, it's just hard for me to even fathom. Right. But, I mean, uh, so some of the stuff that we pulled about this... Um, Burke and Abrams were traveling the world to promote Star Trek, and, and they, they stopped one night in Dubai. And, you know, they were sort of like, Dubai's a very vertical city. It's kind of like this beautiful, futuristic-looking vertical city mm-hmm. in the middle of the desert. We would really like to come back here and shoot something is what they were thinking. So when they started thinking Mission Impossible, they just immediately were like, let's go shoot. What's the name of the building? It's Burj Khalifa? Yeah. The Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest building. Yeah. Um, also in Furious 7. and it's Yeah. Been, it's yeah. in so many movies now because it is incredibly yeah. beautiful and terrifying yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely unbelievable um cruz said that he trained for months and months of course to to climb the building he's always training for months and months core strength and yeah. like just like trying to get used to i mean the I comedy know. the sheer comedy of that yeah. scene i think comes i mean obviously they, they, they play off of it with a line from Patton and a line from yeah. peg but as you're watching this movie and you kind of see Tom Cruise's face and everyone else's face yeah. as he's going out. It's like, are you guys really acting right now? Or are you just blown away? Because it, when you're watching, yeah, when you're watching totally. the film and you can see that it's all real, like Ben and I were like laughing on the couch because it was like, oh my god, dude, like <laughs> this is real. Like you can tell this is real. It looks so. There's this. There's nothing about this that looks fake at all. And like the struggle on his face and the worry in the eyes of his of his uh, teammates, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious because yeah. it just feels so. That's how you feel as an audience member. You know, I, I just love that. I, like, the whole time I was yeah. laughing in the scene, and I was completely blown away. When the right glove fails. Yeah, yeah I was laughing. Just, I was like, oh, no. And he just looks it's at like it. He almost knew. When the first one, he, like, took it off slowly, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to go south yeah. real quick. Just shakes his head, just throws mm-hmm. the glove away. Yeah. Just starts going one Sticks the window again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, of course. Amazing. So good. Yeah, unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that there's much more that really needs to be said about the scene aside from just the fact that it's just bananas. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering what in, well, again, I can't allude to anything can't you said about, about five. It. Never mind. But, uh, never mind. The fact that he had to hold his breath for six and a half minutes for one scene and that he hung off a plane for another, I can't wait. One to or, that one movie. or the other. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty fascinated by what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, just, 
Just don't say anything. Just don't look at her audience. Just don't She's look at her. her moment. <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Mission Impossible oh 5. I'm so bummed. I still want to see it with you guys, but I don't think we're I can. We're going to be losing it. Uh, yeah, we're going to be losing it. I know. Um, I, I think that one of these days, like... How are you going to wait till Sunday? I know. We're, I'm already what dying. Is, like, I know. Friday morning. We're going. Yeah, maybe we should just... Friday lunch. Friday. You work. Friday. Eh. All right, let's talk Hopefully. about this off the air. Um, all right, guys, that does We're it. Trying to make for, plans, guys. That does it for the uh, you know the the the, the the basic uh, production right. development yeah. notes. Let's get into some uh, some fun stuff. Into our stuff. Let's talk about uh, you know favorite lines and hero villain ranks and all that. So, guys, again, I mentioned it once already, but if you're watching and you want to follow along and you want to participate here, this is the part that we encourage everybody to get in on the action. So we're going to talk favorite lines, where the hero and the villains rank, recasting the roles if we were to make it in the 80s or 90s, uh, which are the categories it fits into. If you want to kind of join in the conversation, throw your thoughts at us. We mentioned our Twitters once already. You can you can comment on YouTube. Please let us know. Leave it in the comments and the reviews on iTunes. Whatever you want to do, um, it really helps to hear from you guys. It makes the show way, way, way more fun for us. Absolutely. So let's talk uh, favorite line. I definitely have mine. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, my favorite line is when they're in they're in Dubai and the guy from Slumdog Millionaire, the super famous Indian actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Like Paj Patel or something like. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what his I name. Is. I just made that up. <laughs> but it's I. It's, he's super famous. He's like the Indian Tom Cruise yeah, in a lot of ways. He's yeah. He's uh, the guy. And he's like going after Paula Patton. And she like she smashes his hand or whatever. And then Cruise kisses her. And then the the phone platter arrives. And yeah. She picks up the phone on the other end. He's like. What's this line? He says, uh, My God, you're a passionate creature. I'd like to show you my collection of art. Collection of art. <laughs> I love it. You said it like that. I love you. My God, you're a passionate creature. It's a, it's a great line. I feel like I should use that at a bar on a girl. I think that's like a good pickup line. Right, but you don't have any art. I could say it. I have plenty of art. <laughs> I could say it in that voice, too. She wouldn't be creeped out. Would, I want to uh, see that happen. I definitely God, I'll, I'll like just I'll walk over with a platter of phones <laughs> get a platter of like Nokia phones from like back in the 90s what's the line from Slumdog that he says when he's like he's like bada bada like what's what's he say there's like some silly line that he says during the, uh, the... I know you're talking about there's a lot of that I can't remember what it is exactly yeah Anyway, it's a great movie. Love that movie. What do you got? What's your no. favorite line? Yeah, uh, it's it's right after Cruz gets pulled in by Renner and Patton oh, yeah. falling, and Simon Pegg comes <laughs> in. He's like, "Woo!" It's like that was not easy, but I did it. What I miss? <laughs> I like you know? it. He's like, he's like, that was not easy, but uh, I did it. Yeah, he's yeah. like super proud of himself <laughs> for like re- redoing the, the doors. <laughs> yeah. Like, what I miss? Yeah. My favorite line's just before that, in the beginning, when Paula Patton walks in, and she's like. Where's Ethan? Yeah, and he's right out on the yeah, building. Yeah. Like that leads into like him you out gotta there. You're kidding me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love. So, it. Yeah, she comes. She's like got her clothes and she's yeah, all, yeah, yeah. she's like ready to do yeah. the mission. It's like, yeah. wait, where'd he go? Yeah, yeah. and then it's like, oh, of course, the window's missing. I also love when he's like, 20 minutes, Ethan, till knock, and he's like, the timer is not, not helping. helping. Yeah. <laughs> No yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, I like the no shit a yeah. lot too. That's a good one. That was a good one. No shit. Yeah, it's because it's good. like you feel like he's not going to say it, right. and like just like shrug it off, and he actually just is like Captain Obvious says it. He just well. jumps. God, yeah. it's incredible. It's not long enough. That's yeah. What it was. yeah. 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 No yeah. shit. All right, so this is an interesting one. Hero villain rank. So, so Drew and I have now done. Is this episode fourteen? I believe it's fourteen. I think this is episode Ooh. fourteen. So, uh, you know we. We cover action movies. A couple times we've, we've hit movies that sort of don't really feel like 
they qualify a little bit. Yeah, um, like Jurassic World. Jurassic World instance. is the one that is the biggest one where we were sort of taking a chance on it, but it didn't really feel like an action movie. It's more of just like a big spectacle adventure. Yeah. And it's evidenced in a lot of the categories. It's very difficult for us to, you know, ultimate action scene. It's very difficult for us to hero villain rank because right, they're not right, iconic right. in the same way. Um, the Mission Impossible franchise has one iconic character. Um, well, one iconic hero. Yes. Yeah. I'd say. Um, and it's the Ethan Hunt. So we went through all of our rankings that we had used in the past and we started to actually compile the list because we usually just eyeball it and we go like, well, he's top 20, he's top right, 15. Right. Oh, awesome. We yeah. don't have it on us because oh, okay. we, we want to make a graphic. Uh, but Got it. when you come back next time as a guest, you'll be able to see it. It was interesting though, of the 13 movies we've done, only a handful had, had characters we wanted to rank. Now, when we did Mission Impossible 3, we both agreed that Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible 306... And we're all in agreement about this now that, was that we've heard her opinions. ...was the best Ethan Hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for both of us, he's like top 10 or top 15. Yeah. Um, where would you guys put Ethan Hunt, Ghost Protocol, on the all-time hero, action movie hero list? And I should point out, by the way, because this is going to be a thing, we always reference strong female characters. Uh, there's a lot of them in these movies that have been coming up recently. And we don't want to, it's, it feels sexist to say the best action hero and then strong female characters. The problem is there's not like 50 that come up that are yeah. iconic in the same way. Right. It's Eventually there it's will fun. be. That is something though, real quick, that I did want to mention about these movies. It's kind of amazing that there's always such a strong leading lady and there's always a lot of deception with the women. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Cruz is into it. You want like exotic strong women. That's like, that's the and thing he likes to cast. Yeah. Yeah, always replaced. Yeah. Always replaced. like yeah. that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say, and this is why, I'm going to support it. I'm going to say that this Ethan Hunt hero, top five. The, the hero over- or M- uh, four, which which version? Right. Are you talking about Ethan Hunt as a whole or are you talking about Ghost Protocol? Because we Hunt? use each one as a different rank. I'm talking about him in Ghost Protocol, but not ghost protocol as the whole movie because what he did in this movie the amount of what he endured time climbing down the so where does mi3 then hunt rank then is that like number Number four number two Uh, top ten top Top ten okay you know what i mean like like if you think about we didn't even touch on the car manufacturing scene yeah we didn't like he got hit beat down and down and down came back up like what his character did yeah. in this movie and kept going and the stamina yeah, com- yeah. of this movie even though I liked him better in 3 he was better looking in 3 whatever in 3 the stamina of this hero right he's always doing everything we also didn't even talk yeah. about the whole like I'm just gonna take this my belt and swing down this power line yeah. and fall on top of and a moving car because yeah. that's it's, it's it's so minimal. We didn't talk to about else, in the beginning know? too. I'm gonna change to a Bruce Springsteen T-shirt. I saw that in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the, his character, and again, this isn't my favorite one as a movie. But yeah. what he did in this movie, maybe because the plot and the villain yeah. wasn't so strong, he had to overcompensate for that. So I feel like he did almost more than in some of the others. It's right. fair. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is really interesting. And the reason you have to go movie by movie is because, like, we all ranked um, Max Roktansky from Fury Road when we did the episode. Right. But that's a different rank than you're going to give The Road Warrior. It's a different mm-hmm. rank than you're going to give to Welcome Thunder to Thunderdome. Yeah. So that's why it's important to remember which movie. They're, they're different, right. you know? I do think that 3 is the best one. I'm going to jump and say if three is like top 10 for me he's like the ninth or tenth yeah ever i think four is maybe the second best ethan hunt like just because i i think the stunts are so nuts right so i would like it's probably he's probably top 20 and maybe 17 16 right in that range oh i still want to see the list that would make yeah it yeah i know it's gonna be a good graphic yeah, yeah. <sighs> i'm gonna go back to my thesis 
can't have a great action movie without a great villain. So he drops it, for it, you. It drops for me. It's like probably 25. Okay. Because there's... But what makes him a hero? Does it make him a hero that he's risking his life time after time after time? Or does it make him a hero that he's suspenseful against a villain? Can I jump in? Because I think the... Emo- I'm going to piggyback off your thought. Okay. Because the emotional stakes that that he's driven by are what make the the characters in these movies so memorable. Right. I mean, that's why the best ones, for the most part, have, like, these special places in our heart. Right. So, like, the scene when he's in three, when he's arguing with Seymour Hoffman at the beginning about saving his wife, and the range of emotion yeah, that he, he goes, goes through, through like, in three or four scene, different tactics to get... He's like, no. Right, and I get no. that. Like, that's... it's just so good that you're just like, you're the best, And man. then he gets mad, and then he gets beaten and broken, and then he's just begging. Please, please you know? don't do this. Right. Yeah. You don't have to do this. Uh, so for me, it's it's Emotionally, harder... yeah. It's harder for me to put him in the top 10, in the top 15, because I just don't buy it in this movie. Ugh. I know. I know. Like, I, he's a total badass. Man ran down a freaking super... building for you, and you don't buy it. I know. I know. It's I tough. just... It's tough. I can't. I can't put him higher than that because I feel like when you get to those top tens, you get to the top fifteens. Yeah. Their counterparts, their antiheroes, yeah. the villains, they're fighting against are something really important. Very important. They're very substantial. They yeah. stick in your mind. And, and I'm with you, which is why he's outside top fifteen for me. He's like some sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, somewhere right. in that range where it's it's not going to kick out someone super important. But as we do more of these, and we like I said, guys, the list will be up. So mm-hmm. as as we continue to add to the list. We are going to have to start to move people. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, You know, people have moved already one or two spots, even just because we had a couple guys in the you know top fifteen, where it's like, well, who's fifteenth and who's fourteenth? Right. So this will this will happen. But uh, did you? you, Oh, you threw him top five, and you said top twenty five, and I said like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I don't. I mean, the villains don't. Villains don't count. And none of none of the supporting heroes in this movie are. No, no. Um, Peg's awesome, but yeah, no. And Paula yeah. Patton's pretty good, but she's also not like we probably could do a whole episode like on Furiosa like, status. Yeah, yeah. Or anything. we could probably do like a like we probably at some point could do an episode that's like top ten action movie comic relief characters. Yeah, because it's like there's a lot of good ones. Right, and who knows if Peg would Peg's a very good character in he's this franchise. Really good. He's very yeah. enjoyable yeah, yeah. in this, and I hear he's even better in five. So. Yeah, can't wait. Um, not from her. I didn't hear that from her. <laughs> Now we are going to do recast, guys. This is the one that we, we tend to get the most feedback from you on. Yeah. So uh, depending on when the movie came out, we will shift it to new actors or old actors. In this case, we are going back to 80s, 90s. The kind of goal here is you take an actor who was in their prime somewhere in the 80s or 90s. It doesn't have to be like they were in their prime in the same year, but as long right. as they were 10 years of each other-ish, yeah. you can say, I want this actor from this era and this actor from this era, as long as they're within five or six years. And that's what we go with. Um, in this case, we are not recasting Tom Cruise because you never could. Nope. And he pretty much could have just played this character in the 90s because he did. So yeah, exactly. right, why right, would you right. ever change him? Um, we are going to recast Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg, and Paula Patton here. Mm-hmm. So assuming that Tom Cruise is leading the mission... Who's his support? Who do you guys? Who do you guys use as? as uh, we'll, we'll start with Paula Patton. Me. And I'm wondering if it's the same one. I have a feeling it is. I don't think Sigourney so. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Well, she's the, just a total badass. You think yeah. she's exotic enough? I was. I felt. I felt I she know, needed to be more exotic. I than had that. her and Uma Thurman. Uma could pull it off. I had, I had those were the two that I had because of that very reason. Yeah. The exotic factor. Right. But when you think about that time period, like those are the two I think most badass women yeah strong because they had to be strong and exotic totally right. yeah it gets hard as you get back there they weren't giving those roles to women as much exactly so yeah. i feel like sigourney weaver could very well be made more yeah. exotic than she was they just weren't doing it so yeah, i feel right. like either one of those could work i had a couple uh but then i narrowed it down i originally had angelina jolie but i pulled she's t- she's too young yeah um 
She'd be like in her 20s. Yeah. Early 20s. Um, but I went with Tia Carrera. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Really? Yeah, it's but it's it don't you feel like it's it's almost like we're it's you're going ethnicity almost entirely there? Uh yes and no. I mean, she's attractive. Yeah. She is she is uh exotic. exotic yeah. And she could totally pull off being a badass. I mean, she, she her and Paula Patton have very similar body styles yeah. and like I feel like if she trained the yeah. way that Patton did, she could definitely pull off this role. It's fair. I don't think she's a great actress by any means, but you don't really have to be. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I she she's came to terrible. mind for me. You don't like that? No, uh, you don't really have to be for women. If no, no, I'm talking about dudes. in this role specifically. Oh, you right, didn't right. have to be a great actress. Yeah. Fair. I would never say that about a female no. actors. Mine is a little loose, and it's far from the guys that I cast in terms of time period. Mm-hmm. But I went with Halle Berry. Uh, um, oh, she could have pulled it off. The problem is, because it's 80s, the Halle Berry you want playing this role is actually more like Swordfish. an early 2000s Halle Berry. It's not like a mid-90s yeah. Halle Berry. Because if you're thinking Bullworth Halle Berry... <laughs> So you're well, talking you know about? Yeah. I really liked her I mean, name is escaping me, but um, the woman that was in, I think was she in, she was either in one or two, and he saved her with the car chase. So Tandy, Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton, yeah. yeah. She was in Crash as well? Yeah. Yeah. I felt she was a very good pick. She was good. She yeah, was very she good. She was very solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, went, I went Halle Berry. I think that like the years that I'm thinking, it's like Bullworth era, and that's too young. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, who knows? Like you could have you could have shifted her down. I don't think that Paula Patton had to be older in this role. I think no. it's just she just was. She happened to be. Right, right. Um, the, generally speaking, though, the, the female agent in these movies is somewhere like mid-30s and exotic and strong and more of a woman than a girl. And yes. I think Halliburton would be more of a girl at that point. So eh, it's a little loose. I had a hard time with that one. I had a hard I, time with this week's in general. I'm, yeah. I'm still happy yeah. with where I landed, but... How about Simon Pegg? What do you got? Keanu Reeves. Oh, it's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> I knew you would like that. Yeah. That's, that's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Perry. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. That's really good, right? Yeah. He's kind of, That's who he was. Yeah, then, you know, it's a I, little before the whole nine yards. Sorry, no, no, I just don't know that Matthew Perry could. I don't know. It's like Simon Pegg, like he had, like yeah, it's yeah, clear his character traits or something, but right. he can pull it together and be badass a little bit too. Right, Matthew Perry. Mm, See, okay, so I'm gonna he, he like tries gonna to pull it together and be a badass yeah. for a minute. And yeah, it doesn't like work. I don't know work. that I would buy that. I'm gonna yeah. respond because because my thought was I went through like ten guys, right? Because I was like, if you ma- if you're making this in the late '80s, who like who who's going to be in it? Who's going to be kind of like silly enough? And I went through like the entire both casts of SNL, the yeah. '80s and the '90s casts, right? Uh, and nobody David Spade. No, I did think he yeah. was, he was one of my of first thoughts. Too, yeah. Goldblum was as close as I really got and bad. felt like good about. Um, I mean, I went through a bunch of different guys. I liked Goldblum. The one that I ended up settling on that was just like, and I know this is wrong, because, but again, I guess we're just changing it. I settled on Chevy Chase. Really? What? I know, I know. And I know it's weird. Very weird. I don't, I don't think he'd be able to pull off badass, but I sort of feel like Simon Pegg has one gimmick, and it's the same exact gimmick that he plays in Star Trek. He doesn't change the character even an ounce. No, it's the I, same I exact that, character. Yeah. And I think... Are you thinking, like, John Cleese from, like, 90s Bonds? Well, I was... I had actually thought Kevin Klein, like, Fish Called Wanda Kevin Klein would have been good. Um, I thought John Cusack. I mean, there's all these guys that John Cusack. I mean, you know what else I thought for that? Seth Green. Yeah. Interesting. 90s. Yeah. 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 Like, mid-90s. Yeah, I I went with Chevy Chase because I was thinking if you you wrote his character correctly, um, I think he would be, like, funny, but I don't think distracting. Did you think about Mike Myers ever? 
No, it could have been good. See that hard again, recast, all though. those yeah. guys, I don't think they they flip like Simon Pegg, like he can flip. Like clearly it's yeah. you know, like a seventy thirty, but he's got that thirty yeah, percent of does. badass. I and mean, I don't think these guys do. So I so let's talk Renner, because the reason that I went with Chevy Chase in the end was because because of my Renner. Who's your Renner? Don Johnson. Don late, Johnson. Late 80s, Whoa. Miami Vice, Very Don Johnson. And I think that the way that he and Chase would play off each other is perfect. Wait, do you think they could play with Cruz, though? No way, dude. I like out, he, Cruz is like 30-something no. in this. No! <laughs> it's not a good recast. I'm walking I'm away. not happy about it. I'm not <laughs> happy about the it. Mike. <laughs> Who do you got? Uh, I went with a uh, handsome Mr. Pitt. Mr. Bradley Oh, Brad. Pitt. Yeah, you know, he's, the, anything, he's like the really. peak of his career, essentially, yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. He's attractive. He's a badass. He That's totally correct, actually. And he actually delivers lines. Similar. Similar exactly. He has that. Cruise. He has that whatever it is, that it factor that he yeah. can do anything. Oh, and, I like that. Yeah, and he, he's, he's, yeah, that's actually very good. That actually, I think, is maybe the best of all of our recasts for the day. Well. <laughs> we got one more. Oh. I've got Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. I think he would be good. In that era or Steven Seagal, like those guys. In the Renner role? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. The most, the most legitimate thing either of those guys did, Seagal or Van Damme. Steven Seagal did Under Siege and well, Jean-Claude Van Damme did Bloodsport. Totally, those are the those are the peaks. When you Jeremy Renner did them, Hurt Locker. Fit. Right. We're not talking Renner's career. We're talking this specific role that didn't really require oh, that much. This is good. Come on. I'm just saying, Chevy Chase, really? You come on at me. He's a comedy Chevy character. Chase. You can bend the rules a little. I mean, Renner Don has to be. Don Johnson, like, Miami uh, Vice. Okay, are you, aren't you a fan? I mean, come on. Don Johnson's fantastic. You just like yeah, the pink shirt. John Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, and Don Johnson <laughs> with Tom Cruise. <laughs> I take it's it back. Cruz should Cruz should play every role. Cruz should I just play all the Bruce roles. Willis too. Yes. It's too big. He's, he's, he would he would he would get in the way. <laughs> Can't do it. I thought Mel Gibson. I thought Costner. You can't do either one for the runner role. Yeah, but they wouldn't. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Gee, why did I say? Who did I say? Chevy Chase. Yeah, you said that out loud. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Multiple times. I I forgot that I I had the epiphany on the way here because that was that was the guy that I settled on right before, just before I walked in the door. The guy that came to mind, if you're making this early '90s, because it's pre-Oscar and pre-leading man, is Nicolas Cage. That's who I wanted as Renner. No. no, no, as Peg, as Peg, because I think that I think that like raising Arizona, Red Rock mm-hmm. West, Amos and Andrew era, Nicholas Cage before he was like a full fledged movie star, Vampires Kiss, all those like that era where he's a little goofy, hmm. wild at heart, like he would be killer in that role. That's who I wanted. I take it back. Except, except you can't because everyone can. heard you. Everyone heard him say Chevy Chase. I need to write <laughs> these down. This happens way yeah, too I often. I always write them down. Yeah. I need. I need to be like I did. Yeah. Do you recognize you these picture? names? You see these faces. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's yeah. the recast for the day. Yeah. Uh, share your thoughts Let's with us. What you guys think about Chevy Chase? Uh, funny, <laughs> yes, there's a please. funny there's a section on the outline called Cage versus Cruise. I like that we never actually do it. We just leave it on here for the guests to be yeah. confused. Yeah, every like, time. What does that mean? <laughs> we, like we like talk about it for like five minutes. We just like say a few lines from the movie in each of their voices. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's get into the, fi- the final section, which is categories, guys. There are three action movie categories. Oh, they are totally ridiculous. This is a movie that falls off a cliff of absurd. It's just not even legitimate at all, though it's awesome, like Face Off. Uh, totally legitimate, which is going to be a high-quality film, like a Die Hard or a Fugitive. And lastly, ridiculously legitimate, just as the rock on the sheet, because it's like kind of the pinnacle of the genre for us. But Point Break is another one. Speed, movies that are like a combination of absurd right. and awesome. They're campy. They usually have like one performance that could be almost like award-worthy. 
which category do we think Mission Impossible 4 fits into? When we actually do The Rock on this show, I think our heads are just going to explode, and the audience won't be able to believe that we're actually doing this movie that we've talked about. It's just going to be a show of 22 yeah. fist pumps for each of us. <laughs> right. We'll just skip everything You're else. quote the whole movie. We'll just, get it. We'll yeah. just watch it. It'll be live commentary. That's yeah. like what we should do for The Rock is oh my live God, commentary. I'd love to. Yeah, be um, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, me? Okay. Uh, definitely, for me, ridiculously legitimate. There's okay. a few things in this movie that the fist fight that the guy stands up to Tom Cruise. Like, yeah. In fact, that's what I loved about three is like when he actually gets through everything and has to like fight Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's so quick. They roll out in the street and he kills him. He gets killed by a car, like decapitated by a car. Um, he also in this scene drives a car. What seems to be like 20 stories <laughs> straight down. Yeah. I get there's an airbag. Cruise, that, really, Cruise yeah. really did that. That was, really, real. that was a real thing. Um, <laughs> It's just there's just a little bit too much to it that is unbelievable for me, um, but that's great. R- ridiculously legitimate isn't is the pinnacle category, so that's that's where I'm gonna put it. Absolutely, I'm putting it in totally legitimate. Yeah, so I I agree, and it's weird because that's the line totally legitimate is like a movie that I would characterize as a really really good movie. Um, it's a movie, line because I agree with you. It's not totally great because, like, the villain and the plot, but right. as in the essence of the whole, totally legitimate. Like, weirdly enough, even though three, it's so odd because three has more lines in it that are both memorable for their dramatic qualities, and it has more lines that are like awesome, awesome, like memorable fist pump lines. Which is generally the more right. fist pump moments, the more ridiculous, legitimate it usually is. Right. Um, but I would almost think of three as more totally legitimate. But I have to call this totally legit because really, I call this movie totally legit because it, it's like it doesn't do anything that makes me feel like it's absurd. It just feels like a PG thirteen version of the genre. But it's a really great, it's a really great movie because hmm. I think Brad Bird got what he wanted. I think he was trying to make a really, really, really good, a little bit more closer to PG than PG thirteen action movie. Right. right. So it succeeds on every level in that sense. It's just not because it doesn't feel ridiculous. I don't watch it and feel like this movie is really silly at any point. It doesn't feel silly. It just doesn't feel completely believable for me. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's a confusing one because I just don't feel good. I don't feel good about putting this movie in the same category as The Rock or as Con Air. I I don't want to like point break. Like I don't want to watch this this over and over again. But then you're throwing this in the same category as like The Fugitive. Yeah, and the Matrix and movies like right. that. Like movies. But still, there's three categories. There's gonna there's like category right, there's one A, two A, two C. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like it. I yeah. agree with you. I feel like totally it's legitimate. Totally legit. Because I mean, when you think yeah. about even the movie, they Die Hard. Yeah, it's like that's yeah. similar, and that's what you guys use your basis but for. Die Hard, like I could watch that movie every week. I wouldn't. Wa- I wouldn't really want to watch this movie again. I mean, I will. I will watch it again. Right, it's you'll just... watch it again someday. Where did you guys put three? Uh, I honestly can't remember. I feel like totally legit. I think we yeah. must probably have put did totally, totally legit. legit. Yeah, these are the two, four, three, and four <clears throat> that are the totally legit ones. And I would, well, one's just confusing because it's a big steaming. Pile, right, and but. two is is, right. is completely ridiculous. This for me again, ridiculously legitimate. We'll agree to disagree. Agree All to right, disagree we'll agree to disagree. And that about does it. What's Thank that? you so much, Steph Z, for coming by and being our guest today. Hopefully charm. we get 400,000 views on this episode. Hey, man, get the views, people. Uh, Steph, where can people find you if they want to check you out? You guys can find me on all the social media platforms at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. 
at Andrew Guy on Twitter, and I am so excited to do number five next week, guys. Yeah, please return and check out our review of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Not that. Rogue Nation. Keep getting it wrong. Next week, I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me as Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for stopping by. Stay jacked. (laughs) From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 